you like retro video games, then you should check out the Nerd Cave Retro on Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you can find podcasts. If you like the show, then you can join the Discord by going to the Nerd Cave Retro Twitter page and click the link at the top of the page. If you like the Open Micers podcast, but you think I'm too handsome, check out the Jester's Court podcast hosted by my fat twin, Mr. Mike Evelyn, found wherever podcasts are given away for free. We also want to shout out our other fine patrons, Mr. Derek Diamond, Derek Shirley, Kathy Gutierrez-Figueroa, Old Rob himself, Robbie Hennig, and I am the Rampage. Let's do it. Friday episode of the Open Micers Podcast. My name is Jason Robbins. Call me X Benedict because I'm yoked to be here. I'm Jacob Craig. <laughs> and uh, guys, our guest tonight is, I, I don't know if you're as yoked as I am, Jason, but I, I am the yoke that I have been in a while. I'm the yokiest that I've been in a while for our guest because you know him from Whose Line Is It Anyway? Let's Make a Deal, The Drew Carey Show, so much more. You know him from improv comedy. You know him from acting. It's Jonathan Mangum himself. How are you doing? What is up? How are you guys doing? Doing great now that you're here. I've been looking Uh, forward to this all week, and then Jacob told me we weren't going to do it Monday night. I'm like, man, I got to wait even longer. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Sorry, I had to. I think I have teenage kids, and there's always stuff happening and taking cars and, you know, screaming and, you know teenage kid stuff yeah you know teenagers they just scream sometimes they scream they scream well jacob's barely out of his teens so he knows exactly what you're talking about (laughs) i'm i'm barely out of my teens and i have a two-year-old which coincidentally two-year-olds act a lot like teenagers oh yeah (laughs) my two-year-old lately she's been telling me that she's a grown-up and that i can't tell her to do anything she has a point she has the point. Like, what am I supposed to say? I'm like, <laughs> she's I, already won. I know. It's like, well, I guess if you don't want to go to sleep, you don't have to. I don't know. No. Like, what's what's the protocol here? Yeah. Yeah. You know, for those of you watching on Twitch and that's going to watch this on YouTube later, you'll notice that uh, me and Mr. Mangum are, we have our nice, uh, you know, cameras that make us look good. You know, like we're looking yeah. good, right? Jacob looks like he's coming to us from, uh, from like the, like, uh, deep in a bunker in Ukraine, we have John, we have Jacob Craig coming to us. Yeah, I'm renting an Airbnb in Ukraine. It was dirt cheap, dude. It was just the best deal I've ever gotten. <laughs> no, seriously, he, he's re- he rented a B- Airbnb like two towns over from where he lives. I'm like, what are you doing, yeah. man? Well, yeah, why, have- what's the point? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We had a free night. It's it's right by the beach. It's right by. There's a mall. There's all kinds of nice places to eat. Oh, we there's a, a mall. Okay. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh yeah. Have you have you guys ever been to a mall before? I've been to the mall a couple times. Yeah. Uh, you gotta go hit up there's the Spencers. A lot of stores and in there, man. They play, do play with the dildos and Spencers, then hop over I and get some candy corn. I haven't corn. been to that mall. That's a different mall. <laughs> Not been to the dildo mall. (laughs) That that's so weird. Like the 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 line between Hot Topic and Spencer's is so thin, yet so thick at the same time. (laughs) Like you'll you'll see like parents with their kids and Spencer's, and it's like you cannot go to aisles 
you know, five and six. There's I remember my kids panties. used to love, my kids wanted to go in those places. And I was like, oh, wait, no, no, don't. Like, but what's the worst that was going to happen anyway? But yeah, they never did. I don't know exactly what age it was that I used to go in the mall and like, I liked going in, in shops like Hot Topic. Like I, I like to go in there and look at the graphic tees and stuff. And then yeah. there was a point in my life where I just, I've walked in there and I'm like, ah, I'm too fucking old for this. And I just walked yeah. out and I haven't been back. Yeah. Here's, here's 38 anime people that you've never seen before. <laughs> and it's just like, ah, I'm, I'm, I'm out of it now. There's too much for me to learn to be, to know what's happening in the world. So I just stopped. When you walk in and you see pop stars on t-shirts and like, instead of seeing like, you know, t-shirts of like Metallica and Megadeth, you walk in and there's like t-shirts of like, pop stars i've never heard of i'm like yeah, yeah not my store anymore yeah oh yeah uh, honestly i think i might be too old for hot topic because i don't i don't know any of those people either I'll, yeah i'll walk in and like i'll see a band t-shirt that i've, I've never heard of before and i'm like oh, what, what are we yeah. doing here spencer's is still cool though like i like to go in spencer's and look at all the cool stuff they like, they got really cool t-shirts coffee mugs in there and they like, they still have the cool yeah. stuff like the uh the fake vomit and the, you know like the fart whistles and all that kind of stuff <laughs> how is that cool you're you're 45 Dude, nothing <laughs> fart whistles will always be funny yep uh, I'm a little older than you guys. When I was a kid, we go to the mall. They had a thing called Fast Tracks. You guys know what this is at all? Fast Tracks. You'd walk into a booth. They'd have a karaoke version of whatever song you wanted. You'd sing it in this booth, and they'd hand you a cassette of your performance. Uh, it was it, it was a thing in the 80s. It was awesome. I remember that. Oh. I remember my aunt, who was, uh, we were raised like brother and sister. She was uh, only a couple years older than me. And so we used to go to the mall together a lot. And this was when I was a little kid, like maybe five, yeah. six years old. I remember her and my other cousin went to the mall together and they came back and she had a tape of them singing, you lost that love and feeling. Yeah, yeah. And it was the most awful thing ever. Oh, I'm like, yeah. Ugh. it's, it's, yeah, you just sound terrible, but it was some, it was something to do in the mall. Yeah. I feel like when now that the, you know, and it used to be that all the coolest uh, video games were in the mall because. It was this was before the first PlayStation, and so it was like you did your, your shitty Atari or Coleco at home. Then you go to the mall; it was the good stuff. Oh, but yeah. like now, now the malls, the games are crap. It's like you know your your PS Five is going to blow any of that shit away. So it's it's, it's a all- bummer that there's not as much shit to do at the mall for for you know yeah. dudes. Yeah. <laughs> you'll be lucky to even find an arcade game at the mall yeah. anymore. Yeah. Like, there's no yeah. more arcades the one- at the mall. Well, the one that was here in Biloxi, what, what me and my friends used to do, we would get out of early, we would get out early, like around noon from college, and we'd come over to the to the mall, and we would go to the arcade, and we would play games just enough to be able to win mustaches, and then we would go and put mustaches on all the Victoria's Secret posters. <laughs> <laughs> nice, priceless. <laughs> you know, you probably well, could have just taken that money and went and bought like a crate of mustaches for what you had to spend. <laughs> to get the two or three mustaches that you got. Yeah, yeah. but it's fun to like just throw a ball at a, a few clowns to, yeah. to earn the mustaches, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. um... <laughs> well, that derailed yeah, all... the conversation. <laughs> yeah, I have a knack for that, don't I? I'll just bring up something fucking stupid and then we have nothing else to talk about. <laughs> I, uh, well, I, I used to drive, so I grew up in Mobile, Alabama, which is not too far from Biloxi. Yeah, was Biloxi is where I would drive to get my booze because it was 18 at the time. 
and you could oh. drive drive to uh, Mississippi and you get your booze. You could gamble. And I loved it, man. Let's see. Then a little while later, Mississippi uh, changed it to twenty one, and then yeah. it was Louisiana yeah. that was eighteen. Oh. And so my brother, who was a couple of years older than me, that you know, him and his friends would always go over to Slidell on the weekends to get drunk. Sure. And then, of course, like the the month before I turned eighteen, they they changed the law and made it twenty one <laughs> in Louisiana. Like, thanks. Yeah, they did that with uh, with my dad on his. On his 18th birthday, they changed the law in Mississippi to where you had to be 21. <laughs> oh, which that, he just did it illegally, anyways, like everyone else. But yeah, it's just still, uh, it's you know, Mississippi. If you can walk in and like see over the counter, they they'll give you booze. They don't care. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Dude. I think that's the state motto: Mississippi <laughs> will give you booze. I'm pretty sure that's. <laughs> I've seen that dude, on a sign driving in. You'll be lucky if all you get is booze when you come to Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, so you, so you're from Mobile. Yeah. Uh, how long, how long were you in Mobile? Most of your childhood, or did so, you? Move away? Yeah. No, most of childhood. So I, I was born in Charleston, South Carolina, but um, moved to Mobile like around the time you would go to grade school. So I did all, you know, grade school through high school. Um, then I uh, went to college for a year in Louisiana, a couple years in Orlando, and then somehow ended up in LA after that. But I love growing up down there. It was awesome. So I was trying to tell my kids today about what a what a dirt clod war was. They had no idea. <laughs> oh, I was wow. trying to explain it to them. They're like, wait, you pick up a piece of dirt with maybe rocks inside it, and you throw it as hard as you can at your friend's face? I'm like, yeah, dirt clod war. What, what, what don't you understand? It's, it's so, a dirt clod war. So what year was it that, you know, all that started happening, like where you went, you started doing improv, and then how did how did things work out? How did you get from here to there? Yeah. Uh, well, I got out. That's the first, <laughs> first step. Tell me how. I'm 45 and I'm still here. Oh, so get, get me out. Uh, so I went to school for a year at LSU to be an engineer, whatever that was, uh, and uh, did not go well, especially with all those daiquiri machines that they have. Uh, yeah. So uh, didn't survive year one. Went to Orlando because they were doing a Disney college program where you uh, you work in the Disney World during the day, mm -hmm. and then on the weekends you take classes, like Disney classes for school credit. And I worked was working at Disney World. I'm like, this is great. I, I kind of like this better. So I just said to my mom, I'm like, I'm not going to go back to Louisiana. I'm staying here in Orlando. Go to school here. So finish off school there. But that's where I met my friend Wayne mm -hmm. Brady, who uh, is the host of of, of uh, Let's Make a Deal. And we started doing comedy together. We were teenagers, like 19, 20 years old. And uh, that whole improv group after like five or six years in Orlando, moved out to LA together. And that's, I was in the mid to late nineties. Hmm. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, so when you first met Wayne Brady, did like, how fast was that friendship? Like how fast did that come together? Uh, it was, uh, you know, th there was a group of us that were doing it. Um, and uh, like, we weren't great friends right away. We were, we were good. We, we were yeah. friends, but we weren't hanging out much uh, in the earliest time in orlando um that that kind of came later like i think once we st started coming to la uh it, it kind of changed to that uh but he was always he was always really good even even you know we, when you start you're all terrible but even yeah. when we were all terrible he was still you could tell like oh this guy is there's something going on <laughs> this guy yeah. this guy's got something good going on uh yeah yeah we've been we've been doing uh, comedy together ever since just kind of, I've always been kind of, uh, I've taken a few improv classes here and there. Yeah. Um, but my mind just doesn't 
work that fast? Like, is that just a skill you have to develop, or is that something you're kind of innately born with and then you develop? No, I don't think you're – I think it's a skill. I think that like anything, you know, you watch someone, you know, play an amazing song on the piano. It's like, well, how'd you do that? It's like, well, because I do it every day for the last 30 fucking years. (laughs) So it's like, oh, okay. So, I mean, I think obviously there are some things that would help you if if you had an inclination – towards being witty maybe or or that would kind of make it easier for you than someone that has doesn't have that but uh i I do think it's a skill i think it's just it's just practice man you 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 gotta you gotta start off sucking at something and then you gotta just do it a billion times so you're good at it yeah see that's what you're missing jason is is wit (laughs) 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 just have a little bit of that thanks a little bit glad you're here to to illuminate these things for me there jacob (laughs) you're welcome buddy so you, uh, what, what drew you to improv comedy of, of all things? Cause, uh, yeah. full, like full disclosure. I mean, we've, we've talked to great actors. We've talked to great stand up comedians. I'm not sure if we've ever really talked to a great improv comedian. So. Well, you still haven't. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you can get Wayne on. Um, what, you know, I saw a show in Orlando called comedy sports. I don't know if you guys have heard of that comedy sports is a, uh, it's like an improv show where there's two teams of, of comedians, but they, but they are dressed up like in baseball outfits and they treat the whole thing like a baseball match. Uh, and it's really fun. And I, I saw, I'd never seen improv before. And I saw this show and I was like, holy crap, they're just making this up. I don't, I don't believe this. And I was, I went up to the guys like, I can't believe that you guys made that up. And he's like, yeah, yeah, we teach classes. I'm like, okay, well, I'll take a class. So I took one comedy sports class and this guy goes, okay, you're ready. And I go, ready for what? He goes, yeah, you're coming to do it on stage uh, next week. And I was like, what? (laughs) That was the way they did it with that group is like, you weren't ready. No, you weren't ready. And they just threw you in the fire, which now looking back, like that's the greatest. Of course I was not good, but just that like being in the fire, like, you know, that is such a great, teaching tool so they you know kept throwing me in the fire and after like six or seven shows i was kind of like okay and i started figuring shit out and and getting better and better and uh but yeah so so much better learning to just be thrown in a show uh as opposed to like oh here's a class and here's another class you're gonna take classes for 20 weeks and then we'll have a little performance for your family no fuck that you are on stage in front of paying people that are disappointed that you suck (laughs) <laughs> and you know the thing that I noticed when I did when I took a few uh, improv classes, it was always easier when you're uh, playing against somebody that is all in. Yeah, like if you're with somebody that is not really into it, or you know, I, it's just kind of like anything. If you're bouncing off somebody that, like, say, if if Jacob got on stage with Wayne Brady, he's gonna make Jacob funnier. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Oh yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, uh, and part of the improv is, is it, it is a team sport, right? Yeah. So you're only about as good as the least good person. So you can be great, and then it's like you're with someone that's bad, and they're just if they're just a dud, it's you, you're just gonna sink yourself because you can't can't carry it if someone's just not bringing something at least. See, there you go. I'm so talented. I'll make <laughs> Wayne Brady less funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, interesting. That this takes a skill right there. Wow. And on this podcast, you make me less funny. So, you know. <laughs> but I want yeah, to ask you a, about, like, whose line is, is it anyway? Because I've been watching yeah. that show since the 90s. Like, I used to watch it back, uh, the, the, uh, the, the British, one. British one on Comedy Central. 
And then, of course, they brought it to America, and it was a big hit. And one thing I want to know, I've never seen it live or anything like that. How much is, like, is left, like, on the cutting room floor to make it as snappy as it is? Or is it just, they are they so good that it's like that the whole time? So, originally, the way they were, they would do it is you would go in and you would tape, like, six hours worth of, like, comedy improv, right? And they would just kind of just do a bunch of shit. They'd take the best, and then they'd uh, make the show out of that. Okay. Um, and then, you know, producers are always trying to save money, and they're always trying to do... So th- now, at this point, almost every single thing that we shoot ends up on TV. Because, <laughs> wow. you know, the, the CW is like, wait, can you, get, can you get 10 episodes out of one taping day? And Dan, the producer's like, yeah, sure. So, <laughs> uh, you know, it's like... Th- Unless something goes wrong, like an audio drops out or a camera goes down, pretty much everything we do in a live taping ends up on on TV. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, also everyone that does it has been doing it for so long that it's like I imagine it's it's if- like watching the Beatles perform. Like when you have like <laughs> comedy of that caliber and that that level yeah. of you know improv skills, it's got to be just amazing to watch live. It is, and the, the the good thing is that if you've been doing it for so long, it's like you 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 obviously want to be funny and you want to be the funniest you've ever been. But also, if you feel like you're not, like you just sometimes you just don't have the right, you're just not feeling it. There's a real easy autopilot switch that just will put you in autopilot mode based on all the shit you've learned over the last thirty years, and you can mm-hmm. still sail through looking great, even if you yourself don't feel like you know you had a great show. Yeah. I saw a blooper the other night. I think it was, it might've been Ryan Stiles who was uh, arguing with a censor about uh, like what kind of, like a joke that they had to cut out or something like that. Is is there a lot of that anymore where you have like R-rated versions that you like, you can't air on TV? I mean, not really. It's uh, no, not really. Occasionally, you know, Ryan will say, we'll drop. I mean, the worst that ever happens is an F-bomb. I mean, some, yeah. and then sometimes they'll bleep it because it's funny if you bleep it. And there's actually rules, like, I don't know what they are for CW, which is where Who's Line airs now, but there's rules about how many F-bombs you can say, how many you can bleep per episode. Like mm-hmm. you, So there's all this, like, you know, they, they have to figure it out. Sure. Uh, but yes, I mean, it's, it's not... It, innu- sexual innuendo is always funnier than if you are just being dirty. Because yeah. then you feel like you're doing something wrong and like, ooh, and it's that is funnier than just coming right out and saying fuck, 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 which, you know. And I'm pretty sure that, that by now they know how close they can get to the line without oh, yeah. going over. Yeah. 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 But Definitely. whose line is it that they're going yeah. over, huh? <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> oh. I'm a professional comedian. Man, um, get to the mall right now and do a show. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have an open mic at Spencer's Aisle Six after this. Yeah. Um, so you've you've been doing Let's Make a Deal too for just yeah. so long. I mean, since 2009, hundreds of episodes. You want to um, know how many? Uh, I believe it's around 2,600 episodes. Jesus, 2,600 one-hour episodes. Television. Yeah. yeah, I mean that makes sense because it's it's on every day, whether they're showing a rerun or not. It's on every single day in that time slot. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been great because you know, as an actor, it's like you, get, even getting on anything that lasts more than a year is already like 
almost impossible. So to get on it, to get on this, and great thing is we do the whole season in four months, right? So we have seven months to go do other, whatever else we want to do. So that kind of freedom and regular work uh, is insane. It's great. Yeah. I mean, since 2009, like that's, I mean, that's longer than Seinfeld or, you know, any other, like even other really good game shows. That's like, it just has such a long lifespan. Um, Is, do you have, like as because so you're kind of you're the announcer for the show. Yep. But but even more than that, like you're involved with you know kind of the the games or like you'll sing with Wayne or do yeah. things like that. Like does that keep it fun or does it get kind of monotonous for a while after doing it for decades? So so the improv is what keeps it fun. Um, yeah. Wayne and I we've been doing a two person like Who's Line type tour for the last 20 years. So we've gone all over the country. We've been to Biloxi. Uh, we've been to uh, Australia and London and just Canada. And we, we do that all the time. And so that's, that's my favorite thing to do, like even more than doing TV or anything, like the live improv show. And then with Wayne is like so much fun. Um, so that's kind of what the show is like now is like there's, there's a game show that we know that has to happen. But we're doing everything we can to make it a variety show, <laughs> even though yeah. producers are like, hey, well, let's stick to the game. Like, yeah, anyway, uh, Wayne, do that accent again. And so it's like <laughs> it's it, it, that, that's that actually is what keeps it fun. If, if I was just standing back there and going, it's a new car, you want a Honda. And if I, if I just had to just say shit like that all day long, I, I you know, I would lose my mind. I, I don't know if I could 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 handle that for, for that long. How many episodes a day? Do you record more well, like when you're in the heat of three. recording three, three a day. And they're so they're, they're 45 minute episodes when they're edited. Uh, that's how the rest is commercials. Mm. And it takes about an hour and 20 minutes to make that uh, 45 minute show. So it's actually, that's really good. Um, just for people that don't know, like to make like a sitcom, like friends, a 30 minute show. I picked Friends because that's how old I am. That show's been off the air for a thousand years. Uh, their tapings uh, are like six or seven hours. Jeez. So for us to be able to do an hour and 20 minutes to make a 45-minute show is really, uh, really great. What's the craziest thing you've seen while doing that show? <laughs> so the number one question I get is, what's the craziest costume you've ever seen? Because people dress up and stuff. Mm. And um, I-, I tell people, like, imagine if, so like, I've done like, 2,500 episodes. Imagine if you went to 2,500 Halloween parties, <laughs> three a day for the last uh, 15 years. Like, it's like, it, it just all merges in my head into one big, yeah. just s- sloppy monster. I, yeah, there have been some cool ones, but it's like, I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember. So, People be like, hey, remember me? I won a car on your show six years ago. I'm like, nope, I, I'm sorry. No offense, I I do not remember you. But one of the funniest parts of the show, I think for me, is the zonks too. Like, is yeah. is there like a writing or like, like design process that goes behind that? Like, there's, do you, any yeah, you guys just brainstorm it? So there's there's people that come up with them. I've always been like like there's kind of this like constant like I don't want to say argument, but between uh, a, a uh, conversation between the producers and between Wayne and myself, and like for the producers they want to use, you know, use time up. So when they want to zonk and they've like created this cool, you know, half elephant, half zebra creature that's giant. And they're like, yeah, so we got this zonk and the curtain's open, you got zonk, but we want to milk it. So what can we do to milk it? Uh, Go in there and pretend to ride it and say something about what it is. And it's like, 
man, it's so hard to try to be funny when someone just got fucked, right? It's like you just got <laughs> you just got a piece of shit, and now we're gonna talk about how much of a piece of shit it is. So that's always been our like argument is like, no, 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 just we'll do the comedy before the zonk, and then eh, eh, oh, it's a piece of shit. Sorry, move. Let's move on. They just got you know, there, there's two seconds to see what it is, and it's funny, and it's a pun, or it's good. But I prefer to do the comedy uh, not when someone because, gosh, man, some of these people like 20 grand would change their lives if they won that big prize and like to like have it taken away. And then here me, this rich (laughs) asshole is not going to riff on the you're going to a trip to the center of the earth where you're going to eat. You know, it's just like uh, it's it's not I don't like that. (laughs) Have you ever had anybody who's wanted to take a zonk home? Oh, they, they always ask. They're always like, can we take that home? And they, and they, it's like, no, you can't. You yeah. can't take that. First of all, you couldn't. We also tell them, too, that, you know, it's like you have to pay taxes on any prizes. So, OK, well, that zonk cost us that dilapidated car that the pieces all fall off. Yeah. Uh, our design team, uh, the, the car, probably that junky car probably cost twenty five thousand dollars in profit. So you're going to have to pay, let's see, f- five grand in taxes and you're going to have to ship it. You're going to have to get a container and put Jesus. it on a boat like <laughs> they go. OK, yeah. OK, we get it. We get it. <laughs> well, there have been some zonks, though, that like there's like these crazy cars, like you mentioned, but but some of them like they'll like drive around the studio a little bit. And it oh, yeah. Kind of street legal. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, it's, uh, yeah. They, you, they don't get to keep. <laughs> I would at least ask to just, you know, drive around in it for a little bit. Oh, we, you know, if you if you win a, a junkie car like or something that drives around, we usually have the person go down and get in it. To, that's okay though, because that's that's more like they're kind of celebrating their failure in a fun way, as opposed to me reading copy that's making fun of them for losing money or a prize. We got to tell you guys about B-Res Coffee Company. That's right. B-Res Coffee is a small business established here on the Gulf Coast that was created for gamers by gamers. Whatever kind of coffee you like, they got you covered. Like the out-of-this-world chocolate and caramel flavored roast, or the Two Hardies One Ship, which is a rum and dark chocolate flavored roast. You can even get your very own Open Micers Roast of Coffee. So if you like us, you'll like this dark roast too. So head over to brezcoffeeco.com and use our code OMPODCAST for 10% off of your order. How much trouble would you get into if they, if that happened and then you were just like, ha ha, you lose, you broke bitch, and start laughing at him? <laughs> we, uh, I wouldn't get in trouble because they... Thankfully, uh, producers' jobs are to make the show look good and to protect their the people on the show. So, which is actually kind of smart because they say to us, uh, "Don't edit yourself." Um, our Wayne and I, Wayne and my two person show that we we tour is is rated R basically. I mean, it's we're dirty and it's lots of sex stuff. And but instead of having us having to think about editing ourselves because we're on daytime, they go just say whatever you want, and then we'll go in and cut out the stuff that doesn't work. So, yeah, there are times where we're on the set where Wayne and I are during a taping. We'll just start going into, like, things we've done to each other's mothers and just, like, <laughs> start riffing on stuff like that. And uh, we know they're going to cut it, but at least we feel like we're not, oh, we can't say this. We can say whatever we want. And so that's that's kind of a great thing. I was going to say, that seems kind of dangerous. Like, if me and Jacob were given that position, there would be nothing usable. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's gonna air at three in the morning when no one's watching. Like yeah. you can't put that on TV. 
But, I thought uh, I was joking one time. I I, uh, I did this bit, and, and I know they cut it, but I but I ended every prize copy with "for your ass." So it's a new Hyundai for your ass. It's new <laughs> for your ass, and uh, it got a lot of laughs, but they they cut it out. But you know they they let us do that that stuff, uh, yeah. which is awesome. Which I think that explains kind of the longevity of the show too, because I mean if you if you're having fun and you have freedom to do everything, then like you know that. Yeah. The, there's there's no way to come to work and then be told that you can't do what you want to do and still want to come to work. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's I mean, and plus having your your friend of, you know, 20, 30 years now uh, as the host just makes it easier, too, because our job, I feel like my job is just to make him laugh and to to mess with him. And he feels the same way. So we're constantly just trying to, you know, people think, oh, you produced this bit where you walked up and did a thing. And it's like, no, that's none of that's produced. That was not planned. I just decided to like run down there and pretend to slap him as far as, and, and he goes with it and vice versa. So uh, the only thing that's not planned on that show is the, the prizes, the games and the stuff I have to say about the prize. Like it's a trip to here and this is what it's worth, but everything else made up. Yeah. And you can't really make up that kind of chemistry either. Like you can't really <laughs> screen test that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, it doesn't work like that. So did you yeah. uh did you watch Let's Make a Deal when you were when you were a kid cuz that was always like a staple of uh television when I was a kid with Monty Hall. Yeah, Monty yeah. Hall. He he came out to a couple shows. He passed away a couple years ago, but he came out to a couple shows. He was a nice guy. I never watched Let's Make a Deal. I don't think we had it in Mobile. We had Price is Right, and I remember watching yeah. that when I was sick yeah. home from school. Um but I don't my mom also had her soaps, so I was like, I'm pretty sure she had to change it to watch Ryan's Hope or whatever the hell the soap was back then. Um, but I, I, I mean, I knew of it. I knew what I, I knew what the deal was. I knew what the games. I, I kind of knew what the whole vibe was of the show. Because you could um, always tell when you go back and watch, like you know, they have the uh, the game show network and all that kind of stuff, and you watch those old episodes. And I love watching old like Price is Right episodes too, because yeah. um, Bob Barker. You could tell at a certain point he was just like, I'm so fucking tired of doing this shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I swear to God, no one's saying and neutering their pets and I'm oh, fed man. up with it. He uh yeah, I mean it's like I can't I can't imagine doing that. Like my friend Drew, Carrie does prices right, and I can't imagine doing that over and over because it's there's no there's no, not a lot of room to do kind of what Wayne and I did, which is like we can literally say anything we want all the time and turn it into a bit and suddenly we're having a racing contest for no reason on the front of the stage. Like we can really do whatever we want. And I can't imagine doing a game show where you're just stuck in this thing over and over again. Uh, but you know what? I guess if you get paid enough, it doesn't, it doesn't yeah, matter. You'll right. do anything. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure his kids, kids are going to be set up. Oh yeah. <laughs> he's, I'm sure he's happy with where he's at. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So you've you've been on stage plenty doing improv and you've been in studio plenty doing acting and any of that. Um, why no why no stand up? Have you ever tried stand up before? Has I it did ever... try it once. I did. Yeah. I, and uh, it, it was uh, the first joke went really well. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh, this is great. This is awesome. And I was like feeling like super confident. And then the second joke, and when I say joke, I mean, you know, two to three minutes set up story with Ben. So the first segment, or if you want to call it great. Second segment, it was like a little like, Oh, what? Like they didn't quite get it. Yeah. And, uh, and then the third one just died. And then I just, 
I was, it was because I'm used to like turning and seeing another improviser there who's going to start talking, which is one of the secrets of improv is like, <laughs> you're doing a scene with someone in improv and you say something that's not funny. The other person can start talking right away in that the audience won't know that you even thought what you were trying to be funny. Right. Mm-hmm. So they'll just go, Hey, well, he was just talking. He wasn't making a joke because this next person's talking. It's like, no, you made a joke and it's died. And so your partner's going to start talking right away to like make it seem like we haven't hit the punchline yet. So yeah, in this, I was like, oh, and I looked, <laughs> nobody on stage with me. And I was like, oh, uh, and I made some lame joke about, you know, uh, I have to go now. And I just walked <laughs> off. It was, oh, it was horrible. I was like, that sucks. Yeah, um, it's, it's definitely agonizing when you're up there by yourself and you oh, have yeah. the, like no safety net at all. Like it's either you're funny or not. Oh, me and Jacob but, have seen quite a few uh open doing open mics where you know you would see a new person come in and you've never seen them before and they go up and they do like three jokes and then they're like okay bye and then they just leave and literally walk out the front door yeah, we're that's like kind of what, what i did yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's like like anything uh, that you know in life it's like hey uh oh, photography's cool i should get into photography that looks pretty easy i think i could take pictures and then you go into the world of photography and you're like, Oh, the learning curves on, and then, yeah. Oh, I have to spend years learning life. And so stand up any kind of musical instrument, like anything you, it's like, Oh, it might seem like, Oh, I could do that. And you get in, you're like, well, you have to pretty much make it your thing for a long time. If you want to get uh, just adequate at it. Yeah. Yeah. Or you can be TI and just headline comedy clubs right away. <laughs> Wait, BTI. What's that? Uh, T.I., the rapper, he's Tip oh. Harris. Is he, yeah. is, is he doing, um, uh, he's doing stand-up? Yeah, so he's doing stand-up now, and he's, he's headlining the Stardome here in, I think, Huntsville, Alabama, a few hours away from here. What? And he's, he's horrible. Like, it's a joke on the internet how bad he is at stand-up, and he's headlining comedy clubs. He probably is just making it. He probably thinks that he could just improvise his way. You know who can do that? Like the only person I've ever seen that could improvise his way through a stand-up is Sinbad. He would just oh, like, yeah. I was like, what? And he just knows how to talk funny and find people in the audience and do the crowd work and still just like go into. And it's like, gosh, this is this set is completely different than the one I just saw. Like he it, it's crazy. He, he's the greatest I've seen at like just I'm going to just improv a stand-up set. And you're not the first person I've hit, I've heard say that about Sinbad. Like I've always yeah. liked Sinbad, you know, way back in the nineties, I always thought he was yeah. funny, but I've heard a lot of podcasts recently where people have been talking about how Sinbad is like a big influence on him and people talk about how, you know, they went to see him two or three nights in a row. Uh he'd be coming through do two, three nights in a row and do a different set every single night. Like one set would just be him like driving to a restaurant earlier that <laughs> yeah. day and he does yeah. a whole hour about it it's like yeah. how are you that freaking prolific at what that's you amazing do? yeah uh there was a there was a show out here that my friend greg proops has done a bunch of uh and drew did did some too i i, I didn't get to see it but uh, it was a cool concept where they would just flash a word like a random word behind you Ooh, and yeah. you just have to go uh okay battleships and you would just start stand up now the, the good thing is that because the audience knew you were just making it up the 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 bar for for good was lowered so that you know 
you, you could be funny without having to have a perfected act, but it was a really cool idea to just uh, to, to do that. I would, I, I would have loved to have seen that. Maybe you tried it. That is cool. That would be weird to do though. Like not know what you're going to talk about. You just go up and see a word and you have to riff on that. That, yeah, that seems like a really good exercise, but scary. Yeah. Like, that <laughs> yeah. Really scary. I mean, but that's the like audience, the... They, they love, I mean, that the audience loves to see you scared. And this was my argument. Why talking about like, who's lying, like Ryan and Colin are both so good. But I think I would prefer to watch Colin because he's the one that looks like he's always going to fall off the tightrope wire, right? <laughs> Ryan's so good. He's like a laser focus. But Colin's like, Aah! and you're like, he's going to lose it. He's going to just look. And he doesn't. And so who's more entertaining? Watching the tightrope walker that's about to fall 100 times or the perfectly executed tightrope walk? Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, that, that reminds me of... Um, Something I heard a while ago about Jeff Garland too, uh, the Sinbad thing that is, because he what what Jeff Garland does from Curb Your Enthusiasm is whenever he does a stand up show, he has he has two hours. His shows are two hours. Yep. And with the with the same audience, and he does one hour of prepared material and one hour of improv material. Yep. And a and a hundred percent of the time, if he's filming or whatever, the special that he makes is is the improv material. Wow. I've I've seen his uh, show out here in Los Angeles. It was it was interesting. It was it it was a uh, it was a lower energy than than I like to see. Does that make sense? Yeah. So he just kind of sits in a chair and he's like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> yeah. But if and it's you, like okay, it's, if it's, you it's, can it's, do that, that's the smart thing to do, especially if the crowd work is funnier than your normal set. Because yeah. then you never have to write a like you write a one yeah, hour set and that's it. it. You never have to write anything <laughs> ever again. That's yeah. always the scariest part of me. Like if I ever were to do like you know record like my set for you know if I was to release like a video on YouTube or something because I have a solid like thirty minute set right now. Yeah. If I was to do that and put it out, I, I can't do that set anymore because it's already <laughs> I have right. to write another thirty minute set. Yeah. Yeah, or or you know, if people discover that set and they like it, they they kind of want, and then they see that you're playing nearby. They take their friends to come see you, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, oh, he's doing this joke. This is a good like they they're it's the greatest hits. Like, oh, yeah. we have to <laughs> see him do that joke again." Yeah, like the Mitch Hedberg thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mitch Hedberg in his last few years, like he was just he was so gone that he didn't really know his own jokes. And so people from the audience would just yell out, oh. do the rice joke. <laughs> Poor guy. Oh man. man. I would love to have seen Mitch Hedberg uh, at his height, like before he got all wrecked. <laughs> yeah, me you too. Know? That was a great comedian. Like that's another thing that's scary. I could never write uh, uh, jokes like that. You know, those just real quick one-liners because god you gotta write so much material for that yeah that's what it was like way like i mean like way back in the like rodney dangerfield kind of like era it was like it was all one-liner jokes it was like joke 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 well the thing there about, were no stories like you said rodney like dangerfield long. i've watched a, a lot of documentaries about him and you know he didn't really hit until he was what like 50 yeah, because he had spent oh, yeah. most of his life just writing jokes, so yeah. he had a lifetime of just <laughs> writing jokes. By the time he hit the stage, and just like had literally thousands of jokes to to pull from. Yeah. 
My favorite Roddy joke was, uh, uh, I don't do a great impression, but he goes, uh, uh, my girlfriend said, come on over, there's nobody home. So I went over. Well, there was nobody home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. God, I love Rodney Dangerfield. He's oh, yeah. still to this day one of my favorite comedians. Oh, yeah. He's great. He was great. Yeah, there's um, something to be said about that old school, like, golden age era of comedians. Because, like, you even watch, like, a, an old uh, Louis Anderson set who, who oh, yeah. sadly just passed away. I yep. mean, that's like the framework of like the kind of stuff that comedians are still doing today, where it's just the same like theme of joke, but yep. over and over and then slightly different and then more meat on the bone. Yep. I mean, there's just so, so much inspiration from that era of, of comics like him and Dangerfield. There was, a, there was a comic in the South that I used to see, and I can't remember his name because he, he never quite made it out of the South, but his, his, his uh, catchphrase was save up. Is that, is that <laughs> you know, yeah. Save up. Uh, no. He talk about. He was kind of like a a uh, what's the guy's name that played Mater? Um, Larry the Cable Guy. Yeah, yeah, it was like Larry the Cable Guy, but before Larry. And he'd come okay. out there and do all this stuff and blah blah blah, and then he'd make some joke about money and he just go save up. And it, it just, <laughs> it's just like that. Saying save up's not funny, but because he said it after every punchline. It got to be really funny when he. It's one of those it. things like if you say a weird saying over and yeah. over again, eventually it gets funny. Yeah, I, exactly. I guess that's the psychology behind it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I See, that's what that's oh, what our stand-up is missing, Jason. Is a good catchphrase. Yeah, you need a good catchphrase, Jacob. Just something you could scream at the audience after every every joke. I just watched the, the Bernie Mac special that he did it, live at the Apollo, which is like considered like Bert, one of Bernie Mac's greatest performances and uh at the, after the end of every joke he's he just says i'm not afraid of you motherfuckers like that's his <laughs> and he, he says it like after and it it bookcases every yeah. joke and it, it gets funnier and funnier and funnier when he says it <laughs> so i wanted to ask you guys uh about this um about and i don't think it's necessarily joke thievery but you had mentioned louis anderson which made me think of uh john panette uh, Jacob, you, do you know who John? Do you guys know who John Panette is? He's kind of the yeah. bigger comedian. He was uh, always talked about uh, being fat. Basically, He's always talk about going to the buffet, things like that. He's a, that's every large comedian. <laughs> but he's yeah. he was big. Dude, you're ruining half my set. Right he was now. <laughs> big. He was really big for a while there, and then he uh, he was actually on the last episode of Seinfeld. Um, and he uh, he passed away a few years ago from oh. a heart attack. But um, but he had this bit about going to grocery stores and them asking them if he has a, uh, the rewards card. He's like, no, I have money. And that, like, that was his whole bit. And then I, I was on TikTok last night, and I love Brian Regan. Brian Regan, I, I love. Oh, yeah. He's a He's great a- comedian. He had a bit that was almost exactly the same. And I was like, ooh, ow. <laughs> I, I, I almost felt compelled to send him a, an email or something, be like, hey, uh, John Panette did that already. Yeah, gosh. You know, I, I think that the, the, like people stealing, I don't really think that most of the time it's stealing. I think that just funny people think funny things, yeah. and I think you're bound to come across some of the same kind of situation. So, um, I mean, I'm sure, sure it happens. I've heard stories about Robin Williams like, you know, giving guy like, hey, here's oh, yeah. hundred dollars. I I want this bit, and they're like, well, it's not for sale. He's like, 
mm, well, it's I'm, I'm going to do it. So here's a hundred dollars, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's that's a that's a tough one. Well, there's just so much oversaturation now too in in stand up. It seems like everyone and their mother is is getting on stage. My mother actually has done stand up before, so everyone <laughs> and their mother is literally what doing stand up. Yeah, my mother is sweet. Uh, she just turned fifty four year old woman. Uh, we did a a Mother's Day show, and I I was hosting. And uh, yeah, for the Mother's Day show, like my mom got bullied into doing open mic comedy. Oh my god! I hope she just gave you shit the whole time. Oh, she that did. really did. <laughs> she really did. Her whole set was basically about how horrible I am. Yes. <laughs> and I, and I and I was sitting in the back like, God damn it, she's right. Like I, <laughs> I mean, I can't. I can't even argue. I'm kind of horrible. But no, what's the comedy like, scene like in, in Mississippi? Are there like are there how many like what's it like down there? It's bad. Um, <laughs> it's not, it ebbs and flows. Greatest. I mean, we, we'll get to a point where we'll have a really good room, and then it'll kind of die out and yeah. run its course, yeah. and then go somewhere else. And the, right, it's, it's it's all bar shows here. Like yeah, sure. Know, the, the the nearest club is is two hours away. Which okay. you know you know you know living in Mobile for so long. Yeah. Like, I, Everything's few and far between. Like I'm, I mean, we we've gone to Mobile. Mo- Mobile is more of a hub now for shows. Wow, like they ha- they have a, a few good rooms there. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's only an hour from us. So I've I've headlined over in Mobile before. And, so you yeah, may, if if I'm remembering from like doing bar stuff, it's like there's really no. They will not go with you down mm-hmm. the road of a story. You just got to come out with the dirty jokes, yeah, and they're yeah. drunk, and you better just say fuck balls and over it. Yeah, just it's, and you yeah. get a it's, lot it's blue of, and black you get yeah, a blue lot and black do the best you get a lot of hecklers especially oh. being in bar shows but the good thing for me is i'm deaf in my left ear so i can't hear what they're saying anyway so heckling <laughs> doesn't really bother me <laughs> right yeah and i'm i'm from mississippi so i know how to fight so that's, oh yeah <laughs> i've i've gotten in a few fist fights with hecklers damn that's, that's for another yeah there was a, a there was a a night that me and jacob were doing a comedy competition over in mobile and at the end of the show i you know there, there was a there's a whole story behind this but i was inside waiting to hear who was who were the first second and third place or whatever while i'm inside listening for that jacob's outside getting a fight with some hecklers <laughs> <laughs> Like the dude swung on him. I'm like, man, if I'd have been outside, that dude would have gotten wrecked. Yeah, it's just one of those things. But that, it's that kind of scene here, like where you know, there's a lot of angry, drunk people who don't care about comedy the way that you care about comedy. Yeah, and like if 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 you're not if you don't have like dark black humor or like really deep blue humor, then you're probably not gonna do well. Like doing I'm- you know, ten minutes clean. I've done a lot of uh, improv in bars, like growing yeah. in Orlando and, and, and some in the South. And it's like, it's, it's the worst when like they didn't expect to see a show, like the bars hired you and they have yeah. no idea there's going to be comedy. <laughs> right. And it's just like, Oh, Hey everybody. That's nine tenths <laughs> of the shows that me and Jacob uh, do at this point. Yeah. Like people come into the bar. I have no idea there's comedy going on. Those are rough. Those are rough. I salute you guys, man. That's tough. Man. But hey, it toughens yeah. us up, man. It, Absolutely. We got some tough skin. One hundred percent. I mean, it, it really is good in a way though, because I mean you do enough of those bar shows where like I've I've been lucky enough to to open for some bigger people and some legit rooms where 
I do the same material that no one listens to at a Tuesday night open mic, but it kills in this room because I'm, I'm, I've, you know, conditioned myself to yes. get those jokes. That's awesome. But uh, before we, uh, before we go, uh, we got a few, couple more minutes here. Um, yeah. One thing we like to ask the guest is what would be uh, a bit of advice that you would have for somebody coming up like an improv or wants to kind of break into the scene, even get on a show like, you know, whose line is it anyway? Like what would be your one bit of advice? For, for uh, there's, like there's three simple steps to get on whose line or any show like that. One is uh, uh, do it every day of your life from the time you're uh, 18 to 40 uh, audition <laughs> eight times without getting on and then make the star your best friend. With those three simple steps, <laughs> even you can get on whose line is it anyway? <laughs> uh, yeah, just no Wayne Brady. That's yeah, it. just no Wayne Brady. Uh, if people want to be on like TV stuff, I'd, I'd say you have to move to LA. Um, and everybody's going, well, I have a friend that lived in Atlanta, and he, yeah, there's always exceptions. And but, but you know, if if you want to know what the odds are, and if you're a betting person, uh, your odds are much better to be in Los Angeles, just because of just being being seen by, by people that, that, that live here. And like the other day, I, uh, someone put me on one of their sketch comedy pilots because I ran into him at the grocery store. He's like, Oh, Hey, John, how you doing? Oh, Hey man, what's up? I'm doing this thing. Hey, can you play a doctor character? Like, yeah. What is it tomorrow? Tomorrow? Yeah. Sure. It's just like, just because I lived here, I ran into it. So that's what happens is just, you run into the people that live and work here. And because you're here, if you're out of sight, you're out of mind. So my advice to people that they want to be in TV is like, you got to move to Los Angeles, at least for a while. Yeah, yeah it was that's, like I might that's have a bittersweet to move to truth, LA. man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, that's not an answer a lot of people want to hear, but it's de- it's definitely the correct answer. I mean, <laughs> it, it can be done in other places. There's no right way, but you know, it's like if you're in Vegas and you're going to bet, you know, on odds that you're or fifty fifty or two thousand to one, like where are you going to put your money? It's yeah, yeah. Last question for me here. This is um, yeah. a question that everyone loves it when I ask. I like to ask a lot oh, of our God. guests that we have here. Uh, Mr. Mangum, wh- when was the last time you shit your pants? Oh, man. <laughs> the last time I shit my pants. I think. Now, I love how everybody takes this so seriously when you ask this question. <laughs> well, it's because I, I mean, I probably shit my pants a couple thousand times, but the last time it's hard Thank to pinpoint. You. Um, <laughs> I think it was in when I was in high school and I was laughed, you know, it was always your buddy that does says something really funny and then you just things open and if there's <laughs> if there's something waiting it's going to say hello. <laughs> and uh I went into the bathroom and I I took my underwear off. I dumped the uh, perpetrator into the toilet. I, th- <laughs> I threw the underwear. No, I put the underwear because I grew up kind of poor. So I remember I put the underwear in a brown bag. Nowadays, I just toss it. But back then I was like, you know, had maybe four pairs of underwear. So I threw it in a, in a brown paper bag and, and wrapped it up, cleaned myself and went commando for the rest of the day. And then I, but I, when I came home from school, you know, I threw my backpack in the back. I just threw it all on the table. I remember my mom going, what? <laughs> she had opened the bag because there was a bag on the table. There was a bag and just a little, uh, the, the, the little uh, you know, turtle, turtle head waiting to say hello. That's the best story yet we've had for <laughs> pants shitting. I think it is. <laughs> yeah. 
last week I, I asked our guest uh, Brant Tobler that question. Who's yeah. a who's a, a great um, uh, Colorado comic, and he he doubled down with a pissing himself story. Oh, which geez. is something that I've never even thought of. Like I haven't like because most of the time when I ask people that question, they're like, I can't conceive of a time when I could have ever possibly shit in my own pants, but. I couldn't possibly conceive of a time where I've just messed up and pissed myself. Like, pissing who does seems, that? Pissing seems like a lot harder because I've done the thing where I've started to felt a little bit come out and you're, like, <clears throat> and you're able to. Yeah. It's easier to clench off the, the pee stream than the, uh, than the turd. Just, when well, the turd's yeah, coming out, you can't stop it. Because if you know, clench, man. then it's just gone. Yeah. It's the, the inertia of the movement has already began. Uh, what are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I ask that question every single week. Don't don't I, worry about I it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> now, what would be really um, good is when's the last time you shit somebody else's pants? I would like oh, to hear those stories yeah. if anyone has one. <laughs> I feel like there are those stories out there where, like, you have an accident on yourself and you borrow a friend's pants, and then you yeah. have an accident in those pants. <laughs> yeah, that, you should. Yeah, that sounds so sh- aggressive. Like, I'm gonna shit your pants. <laughs> 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 that's, oh, man. that's what you should say to the hecklers next time they, they give you oh, shit on yeah. stage i'm gonna shit your pants <laughs> <laughs> what what maybe that should be your catchphrase jacob just yeah. after every joke i'm like i'm gonna shit your pants <laughs> yeah just after every punchline yeah it's like no matter how mundane uh, it is oh man well uh, i guess we're coming up to the end of the episode here is there anything else that um was there anything that um any of the producers wanted to ask Jacob, I know Mike Evelyn had a had a question. Oh, he he wanted us to ask about the um the Chappelle show sketch. Oh yeah, that, uh, that Wayne Brady was in. So I guess we should ask you: Have you ever seen uh Have you ever seen Wayne Brady have to cut a bitch before? <laughs> no, uh, but that was that was really great to like like see him be able to do that sketch, and it was like it, I think that that opened up a lot of things for him. Because I've always known that he was hilariously funny, um, because just our, our, our two-person show—he's he, his brain is so fast and so quick, and it's—he's it, a genius at that. But I think a lot of people had pegged him just as the Who's Line guy, which was very, you know, you know, this kind of right. like, you know, yeah. rated PG TV stuff. And so, but I knew he could do that other stuff, great. But he just didn't have a chance. And so when Chappelle gave him the chance to do that, and he just. I mean, God, that's one of the best sketches in the whole series. Oh, yes. That's that's and, really, uh, like you said, that's what made me turn like on him. Because yeah. I always thought of him as like the happy, you know, the happy-go-lucky yeah. guy, you know, improv guy. And then when he did that yeah. sketch, I was like, oh, this is a whole different side here. Yeah. I remember I got a little, like, I got a little, like, upset for him. Although he's, he's like, I'm not upset. But I remember after that, Chris Rock said, uh, oh, he can sit at the table now. And I'm like... But he Oof. he was so good before that too. Like what the songs he makes up are impossible. Like nobody else can do that and do an impression. So he's already a, a fucking genius. And now he can sit. At the, no, he he could always. But Wayne was like, ah, don't worry about it. But I, I was mad, I was mad for him. Like he couldn't sit at the table until yeah. that moment. Like what does it mean? See, everyone needs a Jonathan Mangum in their corner. That yeah, right. That for you. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne um, Brady is the table guy. Yeah, he is the table. <laughs> that 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 should be on a T-shirt. Wayne Brady is the table. Damn it, is the table. Damn yeah. it. But uh, but that's gonna bring us to the end of the show. Thank you so much of for course. being here. I'll we- just tell tell your friends to follow me on Twitter at Mangum One. 
uh, on YouTube. It's uh, the You Jokes channel, channel uh, U-J-O-K-E-S. And then uh, Let's Make a Deal's on every day. Whose line's on whenever it's on, and sometimes I'm on. Awesome. So. Well, I'm going to uh, release this later tonight, and I'll tag you in it and uh, on the Twitters and everything. And uh, so, Jacob, any last words before we leave here this evening? Uh, just for our viewers, please go follow Mr. Mangum on, on Twitter and go subscribe to his YouTube channel. Uh, next week, we're going to have on Neil Rubenstein, who is a fantastic comic who just got off the road opening for Motion City Soundtrack. So if, if, you, like, uh, if you like emo music, punk music, that kind of thing, we're going to talk a lot about that. We're going to talk about comedy. And uh, go to openmicers.com because that's where I list all of our guests for the whole month. You get to see all the cool people coming up, and you get to see all that exclusive material and whatnot you don't get to see everywhere else. And don't forget to join our Patreon at patreon.com slash ompodcast, because we do the extra episode every month. This month's extra episode, we have the return of Eric Paul Scarabin, who has had a lot of stuff happen since the last time we talked to him. He's in a new movie with Morgan Freeman. He's in a new Bloomhouse movie. And he had, uh, what do you call that surgery where they, 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 he had lap bands. Yeah. He had, they got the, the, whatever that surgery is. And he's already lost like 150 pounds. Whoa. Good for him, man. He told me, I told him that the other day. I was like, dude, you lost a whole person. That's got to feel awesome. So he's going to be back on next week and, uh, go what, like a dollar a month and you get the extra episode. Yeah. Go throw money at And you get to see me get us. my belly button pierced. Yeah, month. yeah. We, oh, yeah, we got to uh, pierce your belly button this month, too. Yeah. That's going to be fun. <laughs> if you want to email us, email us at openmikerspodcast at gmail.com. Of course, it's patreon.com slash ompodcast and openmikers.com takes you to our website. We thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you to Mr. Mangum, and we will see you guys next week.